1 Peter 2 verse 1 Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. It was our son and daughter's uh, daughter-in-law's wedding anniversary this week and we were reminiscing about what a lovely day it was. It was a beautiful hot sunny day in Sussex and we had um, cream tea in the grounds of a private school. And during the planning Ellis and Gabby were scouting around looking for a venue and they said would you like to come to Sussex to um, see the places that that we're considering. Um, and when they told us the name of the venue, we were just like over the moon. Um, they'd picked a venue called Great Wallstead School. And Great Wallstead School was hugely significant for um, Rob and I, and my husband and I. And we, we went there every summer um, for church camps and we would spend a month there for about five or six years where we just every summer would go there. And we had, you know, amazing fun and we had sports and games and crazy times and uh, crazy and um, fun things that we did and we had teaching and we had worship and uh, we really really knew God there and there we are 30 years later back to celebrate our son's wedding with friends who'd actually shared those summers with us and some of them had even met there and today I'm sharing from 217 and this for eight years was a prayer house in fact this was a prayer room and here in this room we had life-changing moments too. Some people will tell stories of how they felt they even encountered Jesus here. It was, a, it was a room where we celebrated as a community, where we mourned together. This is a room where mission journeys were imagined and birthed, where um, people's health was restored. There were so many encounters here. Guests came from all over the world. And it's conceivable that this is a memorable place for many. Maybe some of you drive past or will drive past in years to come and tell stories of 217. In Old Testament times, people built altars to mark encounters with God. And if I lived in those days, probably I would have built an altar at Great Wallstead School or I would build an altar here. They would look like a big block of stone or lots of misshapen stones piled together to make a block. 
Noah built an altar when the flood stopped. Abraham built an altar um, when he was given some land. Moses built an altar after a battle. And in 2 Samuel, David built an altar to ask God for the plague to stop. This is one of my favorite stories. David really upset God, but the prophet said to him, I want you to go and build an altar in a particular place. The problem was that land where he wanted to build an altar was built, was owned by someone else. It was owned by Aruna the Jebusite. Now David, he was a king. He went to the guy and he said, I would really like to build an altar on this land. And maybe because he was the king, the guy said, you can have it, you can just have it. But um, David said to him, no, I'll, I'll pay for the land and I'll pay for an ox and I'll pay for the wood because I can't offer to God something that hasn't cost me anything. And so there David built an altar and he restored his relationship with God and God heard his prayers and the plague stopped. I started to think about altars after hearing an interview with Mark Sayers. Mark Sayers is a church leader, he's an Aussie, and uh, the description of him is he's a writer and speaker and uh, with perceptive insights into faith and contemporary culture. He's, um, he sees the world through um, really spiritual eyes, but he can look at the culture and try and understand what, what's going on, especially in the church. Um, and he was talking about how they scrambled, and that was his words, how they scrambled their first Zoom together. And just like we did, and it, it was, you know, it was scary and no one knew what was happening around the world as, as COVID started to just break out everywhere. But he said there was a moment of revelation that people were not watching the church meeting. The church was taking place in homes of his congregation. His, in his words, he said, the Holy Spirit has gone walkabout and is in everyone's home. People are building altars in their homes. He likened it to Paul from the New Testament writing a letter weeks or months before and it being sent to people who then read it in their homes. And that's church. And you know that's exciting for us in proximity because that is what we love. We love to see people functioning out of their homes. And this is where we are now. You are um, building an altar and a prayer room in your home. It fits our story. We've been given words of encouragement that we would have prayer rooms all over our town. Pictures of, have, people have had pictures of the fire of God in homes all over our town. Even during prayer week, that word came to us again. Altars were built. Altars were built to remember that God showed up. Altars were built because people longed for God to show up, just like in David's story. An altar, it's a place of worship, it's a place of thanksgiving, it's a place to count your blessings and a place to offer ourselves back to God. Romans 12 says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true and proper worship. We play, the place we bring thanks and praise from today is the altar of our heart. Hebrews 13 says, continually offer the sacrifice of praise. During lockdown, we've got used to repurposing our spaces. Our homes have become work offices. Our homes have become bakeries, art studios. Our homes have become gyms and fitness centers. 
and our homes have become schools and from what I've heard that's quite a lot of fun and all at the same time is an office and a gym and a bakery and a school. Now I'm suggesting that we repurpose our homes again to be prayer rooms and altars. In 1 Peter today um, we read about how we are royal priesthoods. Verse 5 says, And you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are included in this royal line. Believers have become a special race in the sense of family. We're not from the same country or ethnically the same, but we share a spiritual father. The Bible says we are a holy nation. If you want to join us, you can. Jesus has paid the price for you and he has made a way for you to be made clean from any shame you carry. You can be adopted into this family today. So why is being a priest such a good thing? One thing is, we as priests have the role of mediation between God and others. We can bring people together. And we as priests have direct access to God the Father. We don't need to go to anybody else, we can go straight to him. The Bible says you are a priest. Now I wouldn't put that on your CV, that might confuse matters, but the Bible is very clear, that is our title. Your home is repurposed for prayer. You are a priest and you have access, an access pass for all areas from God. From your home, you can reach back into the truths declared in the Bible thousands of years ago and truths from Romans 8 that say things like, before the beginning of time I knew you, before, before you, before you, before you were, you can bring that into your prayer room. And um, it says in Matthew 28, I am with you to the end of the age. We can move forward into the future, into dreams and purposes that God has for us. The invitation is so much more exciting than any Netflix or any virtual headset you might be able to um, use or, or play with. And you can take your family there too. Now maybe you're sitting at home on your own and you're like, oh, where's my family? I've been on my own a lot recently. Guys, even if you're part of this family at proximity, we are here for one another. And you have family here. You have children here. You have people younger in the faith than you. And you can share with them. Be a priest that leads. Deuteronomy 6 says, Listen Israel, eternal is our true God, he alone. You should love him, your true God, with all your heart and soul, with every ounce of your strength. Make the things I'm commanding you today part of who you are. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting together in your home and when you're walking down the road. Make them the last thing you talk about before you go to bed and the first thing you talk about next in the morning. Do whatever it takes to remember them. Tie a reminder on your hand. Bind a, a reminder on your forehead where you'll see it all the time. Such as on the doorpost where you cross the threshold and the city gate. It's talking about all the time. Be talking about the things of God. John Tyson uh, has a really lovely phrase. He talks about an ecosystem of discipleship. 
that you infuse the air with the songs and with stories and with books and with poems. Even if you're eating bread and you're, you're just having a sandwich, what's a good bread story that you know from the Bible that you can share with your family? Repeat the stories of how God has been with you. Sing. We, we're learning, aren't we, at home now? We, Rob and I sit together and we have to, we sing, we don't have to, but we sing and join in the worship. It's not pretty. I'm sure God likes it, but it's not pretty. But we're learning to do, bring this altar and the prayer room into our home. Underline prayers. What I, what I mean by that is when something happens, when, when um, a story gets told of someone who's feeling healthier or someone who's been sad is now happy, Underline it for your kids, sit them down and say, do you remember when we talked about that? Do you remember when we asked God to do something? Underline it. At Proximity, we have a lovely tradition on New Year's Eve where we go from home to home and we pray for um, people's families every, every year we do it. And I know it's a long trip and I know people get dragged from pillar to post, but that means for the whole year, you can say to your children, we prayed for that for that family. We, we prayed that for that family. We, we, when we went to their home, do you remember we asked for those things? And you can underline those prayers. Tell Bible stories. Tell stories of other believers. Uh, one of mine when I was a teenager was Jackie Pullinger. To read those stories was, was amazing. Um, ask people in our community. Say, can we just Zoom you and can you tell us a story about um, how God led you or how you were healed or one of your amazing journeys that you've had? Stories of healing and finances and hope restored. The priests, you know, they were on watch morning and night. Now, remember, we are being watched as well by the people around us, so let's not make Jesus boring. In the micro and the macro, we serve at the altars of our heart and let's repurpose our homes for prayer. This, more, this week I had, um, I had a Peggy moment where we, I remembered Peggy. And Peggy's an old lady from our community who is no longer with us and, and we miss her terribly. But because of lockdown, I needed a small piece of wrapping paper and I haven't been stocking up on those things. And I found a piece of wrapping paper that was perfect for the present that I'd bought. And so I, I just had a Peggy moment because Peggy would have been on her knees and said, God, I just need a piece of wrapping paper. Please, will you get that for me? And there I was. But I, I'm part of Peggy's ecosystem where she discipled us and told us stories week after week of God being kind to her and helping her with the day to day. Peggy had created an ecosystem of discipleship and thankfulness and she discipled us in that. Now you have the luxury of time with your family and I'm hearing of prayer times and meditation in our homes and it's brilliant. Take the priestly leadership while there's no swimming lessons and football club and build an altar in your home together. So what about us collectively? 1 Peter says that we are being built into living stones. Come to him, the living stone, who was rejected by people but accepted by God, as chosen and precious. Like living stones, let yourselves be assembled into a spiritual house, a holy order of priests who offer up spiritual sacrifices that will be acceptable to God through Jesus the Anointed. 
I was imagining us all in our Zoom boxes, like little stones being built together. And what does it say in um, 1 Peter that we're being built into? We're being built into a spiritual home. Think of that proximity church. Who is nearest to you right now geographically? For us, over there is uh, Pete and Jenny, and behind us here are Andy and Anne, and we're building a home for everyone in between us in our streets. I've heard so many stories of people delivering care packages and meals, flowers, cards. We've had a few cakes, which is very nice. And we're, we're praying for our neighbours, their work and their health. The schools team is still mentoring young people. That's starting to make home. We all have a deep longing for home, of acceptance and home. We are building altars and taking a leader's priest in our home. Let's do that together. We are living, breathing stones, building a home for those around us. When we look back at 2020, will you want to mark it? Will you want to make a memorial to remember the answers to prayer, the songs that were written and that deep sense of God? Will that home that you're sitting in right now have a story that you'll want to tell others? In years to come, when you drive past that street, where you want to tell the stories and retell the stories of that knowing God in that place. Not just the cakes that we baked, but the altar that we built. Let's together be living stones, butting up next to each other, constructing a home that is a home of priests. Amen.